Sorry everyone, but the rest of this podcast is going to be a sort of Gintus and Bowles style analysis of Hogwarts as an institution for the creation and reproduction of wizard labor power. Okay, chapter 8, the Potions Master. Uh, so we get this sort of tedious description of Harry Potter's classes, and there's like ghosts and shit, and it's all very whimsical. Uh, and we're briefly introduced to a caretaker named Argus Filch, who has a shitty cat. While we're on the subject, what the fuck is up with cats in this book? Everyone seems to either hate cats, or they're like obsessed with like terrible cats. Cats is like apparently an extremely polarizing subject in this universe. And then we meet some other dumb ghost professors or whatever, and the whole chapter seems like it was written very hurriedly, like it's very rushed. Maybe the narrator had to finish up real quick or something? I don't know. I don't know what's going on on a structural level with that. Is this just a matter of, is this just a, a flaw in the narration, or is this designed for a purpose? Is there something about the way in which time moves in this chapter as opposed to other chapters that is demonstrating something to us about Harry's interior life. I, I I honestly don't know. So then they go to Professor Catwoman's class, and she's teaching them some magic shit, and Bossy Girl is, like, the only one that can do the magic shit. So she's, like, ahead of the class. You know, you gotta hand it to Bossy Girl. She talks a big game, but then she can back it up. So she's, like, the Kobe Bryant of Hogwarts. And then we get some more bizarre foreshadowing about the squirrely professor who wears the turban, and I have no idea what's going on there. And honestly, it, I'm finding it really difficult to even care. And then Hagrid sends Harry an owl, and it's like, yo, let's hang out. And Harry's like, cool. And so then, but first they have to go to S Professor Snape's house. And Snape, how the fuck is this dude not fired yet? This dude is awful. But he's like, oh, look, it's Harry Potter, the famous fucking wizard. And, like, the Dracula and the Gargoyle kid and the other shitty kid all laugh at him. And Snape gives, like, the most ridiculously sinister speech about potions. He seriously sounds like the bad guy from Blade Runner. He's like, I've seen things you people wouldn't believe. It's really fucking weird. And then Snape is like, Mr. Potter, do you know what a wolf's blood monkhouse is? Do you know the difference between a bear finger and a fox nostril? And he asks all these questions about, like, herbs and shit to try to, like, be a dick. And, but all of the herbs sound like names for craft beers for some reason. And then Bossy Girl is, like, raising her hand real high. But it's like, no, 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 Bossy Girl. This is some sort of dick measuring contest between Harry and Snape. This, this is not about you. This is not your turn. And then the sad kid who lost his toad spilled his cauldron or blew it up or did, I don't know, something bad. It got all over him and he burned himself. And it caused a big scene, and, and he has, like, third-degree burns all over his body, and Snape is like, Oh, did you burn yourself, sad kid, you fucking idiot? I'm Snape. I'm a bad guy. And then Harry is like, Oh, whatever, that kid almost died. Let's go to Hagrid's. And so then Hagrid is like, I want my dog to eat that one dude's cat. And then there's a newspaper article about the bank break-in, and apparently the goblin bankers put out, like, a press release, or they have, like, a spokesman or something. And so that means there's, like, this goblin PR firm out there but the press release is like we're not telling you what was in there so keep your noses out of it if you know what's good for you which is a really like apparently goblin 
corporate culture is pretty fucking laid back. Or it's kind of like an anything-goes environment. Or they're doing that, like, reverse customer service thing, like they're fucking Ed DeBevix or some shit. And then Harry realized that the break-in happened on the same day he was there and probably had something to do with this room 713 bullshit. And that's the end of the chapter. So, short chapter, introduce the evil dude, add some mystery with the package of room 713, uh, hurry along and get the fuck out of there. Um, and I think that the sad kid getting all fucked up made me realize that I basically don't really care about the fate of any of the characters so far except for Harry. Like, I care about Harry, but mostly I just want him to get the fuck out of the school and live a normal, happy life. And you can just burn Hogwarts to the fucking ground for all I care at this point. It is insanely corrupt. Uh, none of the institutions seem healthy or interesting. There's all this hierarchical bullshit. None of the students except Harry and maybe that Ron Weasley kid are even kind of likable. I'd say a good 50% of them are just outright insufferable. They're just awful. And then the rest are just, like, completely boring. And I also wonder to what extent the appeal of this book is really about the issue of the sort of contours of authoritarianism. The idea of like the desire to be institutionalized in like the broader sense of that word. And so there's this book by Eric Frome called Escape from Freedom. And it's basically trying to figure out how the sort of psychosocial conditions of authoritarianism and specifically Nazism could take place. And I think it's probably a book worth revisiting given the present political climate but the basic thesis of the book is that freedom from authority uh often instills a sort of existential hopelessness in people and this is like something that's sort of counterintuitive from the sort of contemporary individualist american perspective but so Frome sets up this distinction between freedom from and freedom to and freedom from is basically this impulse to sort of wrench away from authoritarian rule it's kind of this freedom that people have typically fought for throughout history, like the Great Revolutions, like the American Revolution, the Haitian Revolution, French Revolution even, were trying to wrench away from these authoritarian systems. And then Frome argues that this sort of unmooring of authoritarianism leaves us sort of, I guess, like anchorless. Like, we used to have this totalitarian regime, and that structured our lives and gave us meaning, and then the fight to resist that regime structured our lives in a new way and gave us meaning but then once the fight was won what is there and in a lot of ways authoritarian regimes do provide a sort of meaning it's a toxic meaning but it's a meaning in the sense that our fears of the unknown and uncertain are assuaged and we sort of understand our roles and freedom carries with it especially a, a sort of newfound freedom carries with it a ton of anxiety and uncertainty and unknowability that authoritarianism becomes a sort of easy solution to. And I'm, I'm reminded of this, like, this Phil Oakes documentary that I saw, where he was talking about how the end of the Vietnam War left this weird, sort of, like, profoundly bittersweet feeling in a lot of the anti-war movement, because so much of their lives had been bound up with this, with fighting this existential threat of American imperialism, which was then, like, reified in this war, and so then when that went away, it was like, oh shit, now what? So there's this void. And so Frome's way of solving this is to sort of posit this second idea of freedom, which is the positive freedom, the freedom to. And this implies a sort of creative impulse and, and like, a connectedness. And there's often a sort of resistance to this idea among, like, libertarians and, and individualist thinkers because the idea of, of 
shared mutual responsibility is like anathema to atomized capitalist ideology. But Frome has this idea that like you can't really truly be in touch with with your own humanity without also being in touch with sort of our shared humanity. And so a necessary precondition to a self-actualized life is one in which we're truly cognizant of the needs of others. And so to bring this all back to Harry Potter, this is basically what Harry is dealing with. He had been totally institutionalized by his abusive conditions with his aunt and his uncle, and they were just pure authoritarians. And now he's off in this new institution, and he's trying to understand the contours and negotiate the parameters of it, but his entire ideological backdrop is one of having been institutionalized in this very different way. And so he's seeking out this new sense of, of authoritarian comfort that doesn't have to deal with these existential questions that are really at the heart of his humanity. And so maybe he needs Hogwarts right now because he isn't ready to face those questions because he's, you know, fucking 11 years old. But I wonder to what extent Hogwarts is going to sort of help him understand this dynamic and to what extent Hogwarts is going to hinder him and just become this replacement institution that will that will be more difficult in his journey of self-actualization if that is in fact what's going on here and I would hope that it is. And so I think this book has this really cool opportunity to make wizardry into Harry's freedom too as it were. And so he can self-actualize through the creative project of magic and it would become this metaphor for this sort of creative potential that inheres in us all. And if that's the direction this book is going, that would be a really cool direction. And there's this sense in which Hogwarts becomes this dialectical proposition. It's both the totalizing institution and then also the avenue through which he is able to gain and harness the sort of creative powers that allow him to break free from that institution with the ability to have a sort of freedom to rather than just a freedom from. And if that's the case, then I would definitely have to do a mea culpa for all the shitty awful things I've said about this book so far, and I would become a convert to the Potter, uh, the cult of Potter, whatever the fuck it's called.